بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاه والسلام على اشرف الانبياء والمرسلين محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه واله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا فما بعد my brothers and sisters for those who of you uh, especially our revered brothers and sisters who don't know what this opening means uh, effectively it means بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم i begin in the name of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is most beneficent and most merciful um, and then i say wa salatu wa salam ala ashrafil anbiya wal mursalin and and blessings and uh, peace uh, be on the ashrafil uh, anbiya wal mursalin on the Uh, best of the prophets and messengers and their leader and imam muhammadur rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam may peace and blessings be upon him and upon his companions and his family uh, and then i say fama ba'du and uh, which is the formal way of beginning a khutbah or anything like that uh, which means and thereafter so those of you who were wondering what this uh, arabic stuff was in the beginning this is what it means and this is the normal way and the formal way of beginning uh, any khutbah any reminder of the deen uh, and it's a good thing to do it this way however if you find that somebody is not doing this way then don't criticize them uh it is not haram or something to simply speak t- uh, simply start talking or just to say salam alaikum and speak or just to uh, say bismillah and speak i mean all of these things are possible and it is doable but we always try to do the best we can do and therefore uh this is inshallah a better way of doing of beginning a khutbah or beginning uh, any kind of uh, religious talk now um i want to say to you one very important thing which is that if you reflect on and think of how allah subhanahu wa ta'ala introduced himself he introduced himself by his mercy both in bismillahir rahmanir rahim in the name of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is the most merciful and the most beneficent and the most merciful mercy implies if or rather forgiveness implies mercy because mercy is to return evil with good is to reply to bad with good right if you reply to good with good and if you reply to bad with bad then of course depending on what you do meaning if you punish somebody who does bad then this is justice uh, one cannot complain about that because you can say well you know i mean at the end of the at the end of the day the person who got punished should have should have been thinking and should have thought about what are the consequences of my actions so now if he gets punished and he is complaining well this complaint is not valid right uh, however if a person does something bad and instead of being punished the person is rewarded is given is treated well not rewarded reward is not the right word uh, but is treated well um, is treated with kindness then that is a special thing and that is what mercy is and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala introduced himself in that way in the quran the first ayat of surah al-fatiha is bismillahir rahmanir rahim uh, 
And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. Again, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala went to uh, mention his, these two great qualities, these two of his beautiful names. And we rely on this for our deliverance when we meet him, Jalla Jalaluhu, on the Day of Judgment. Jalla Jalaluhu means the glorious and the magnificent. So these are some things that you might like to think about. Anyway. So therefore, if I say to you, many people ask me this question and they say, what should we teach our children? How should we bring up children? If I say to you that if the only thing you teach your child, of course, apart from Iman and, and you know, their Salah and so on, I'm saying in terms of other so-called education, if the only thing you teach your child is to be kind, this is sufficient for them to live a life which will be highly successful and which will make them into people who will be admired and people who will be respected and people who will be loved and people who will be popular. Just this one thing, the fact that they are kind will be sufficient for them, inshallah. Right? So in that context, let me tell you a, a, a lovely story that somebody sent me this morning. Um, the title of the story is The Nobel Prize and the Floor Maid. A doctor touring... Tewkesbury Institute accidentally collided with an elderly floor maid. To cover the awkward moment, he asked, How long have you worked here? I worked here almost since the place opened, the maid replied. What can you tell me about the history of this place? The doctor asked. And the lady said, I don't think I can tell you anything, but I could show you something. With that, she led him down to the basement under the oldest section of the building. And she pointed to what looked like a small prison cell, its iron bars rusted with age. And she said, that's the cage where they used to keep Annie. Now, who is Annie? He asked. The maid said, Annie was a young girl who was brought in here because she was incorrigible, which means nobody could do anything with her. She would bite and scream and throw her food at people. The doctors and nurses couldn't even examine her or anything. I'd see them trying with her, spitting and scratching at them. I was only a few years younger than her myself, and I used to think I sure would hate to be locked up in a cage like that. I wanted to help her, but I didn't have any idea what I could do. I mean, if the doctors and nurses couldn't help her, what could anyone else do? What could someone like me do? I didn't know what else to do, so I just baked her a small cake one night after work. The next day, I brought it in. I walked carefully to her cage and I said, Annie, I baked a cake just for you. I'll put it right here on the floor and you can come and get it if you want. Then I got out of there as fast as I could because I was afraid that she might throw it at me. But she didn't. She actually took the cake and ate it. After that, she was just a little bit nicer to me when I was around. And sometimes I talked to her. Once I even got her laughing. One of the nurses noticed this and she told the doctor. He asked me if I would help them with Annie. I said I, could, I would if I could. So that's how it came about that every time they wanted to see Annie or examine her, I went into the cage first and explained and calmed her down and held her hand. That is how they discovered that Annie was almost blind. After they'd been working with her for almost a year, for about a year, it was tough sledding with Annie. The Perkins Institute for the Blind opened its doors. 
they were able to help her and she went on to study and became a teacher herself. Annie came back to Dukesbury Institute to visit and to see what she could do to help out. At first, the director didn't say anything and then he thought about a letter he'd just received. A man had written to him about his daughter. She was absolutely unruly, almost like an animal, he said. He'd been told that she was blind and deaf as well as deranged. He was at his wit's end, but he didn't want to put her in an asylum. So he wrote here to ask if he knew of anyone, any teacher who would come to his house and work with his daughter. And that is how Annie Sullivan became the lifelong companion of Helen Keller. When Helen Keller received the Nobel Prize, she was asked who had the greatest impact on her life. And she said, Annie Sullivan. But Annie said, no, Helen. The woman who had the greatest influence on both our lives was a floor maid at Tewkesbury Institute. Now, the bottom line of this thing is, history is changed when one person asks, what can someone like me do? Subhanallah, we have this when I read this story, I thought to myself, Subhanallah, what an absolutely amazing story this is. And this is a story not about somebody who is a great psychologist or psychiatrist or somebody who is a great doctor or something. It was a story about, I, I hate to say it like that, but about an ordinary floor maid whose job was probably, you know, sweeping and sobbing and keeping the place clean and that kind of stuff. She did not have an education. She had hardly any education. She had um, almost nothing to say in uh, favor of her in that sense. But she had one thing. And that one thing was better than everything else. And that was she had kindness. Here was a person who was a kind person. That's it. And that is what made all the difference. That is what made her somebody who was able to change the life, not just of one person, but of two people. And of course, Helen Keller and Helen Keller's work and so on is, uh, is very well known. And she was able to influence a lot of people uh, towards goodness. The point I want to make here is, therefore, do focus on this and say, don't ask, did my child get a first in school or what not. Ask, is my child a kind person? Believe me, a day will come when you will be very pleased that you brought up and you raised a child who was a kind person. You would be far more pleased than raising a child who was uh, highly qualified and wealthy and so on and so forth, but unkind, not kind. That will give you more grief than anything else. So focus on kindness because this is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala introduced himself. And this is something that we know about Rasulullah And this is something that we must really consciously think of and uh, inculcate in ourselves. The religion is, is spread, Islam is spread by the winning of hearts. And the only people who can win hearts are people who are kind. وصلى الله على نبي الكريم وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين برحمتك يا ارحم الراحمين 
والحمد للہ رب العالمین السلام علیکم و رحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ